0: Shy Socks Weekly, hosted by Tony Marchese and John Suarez.
1: Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Shy Socks Weekly, episode 33. I am John Suarez, joined with you today by my co hosts, Tony Marchese and Johnny Nani. You guys, how are we doing?
0: a pretty fantastic day
2: to be a White Sox fan, guys.
0: Yeah, yeah today's a good one. One, one of the uh, good offseason days, so that's exciting.
2: Probably the, uh, if I would venture to say, the best day of the offseason so far.
1: Yeah, the White Sox signed Eli Jimenez to an extension, so we'll get into the details on that. And then we released our uh, prediction blog, so we got a lot of stuff that we want to get to you guys today, but... for. Those of you guys wondering, I am currently calling in on my phone, so that's probably why you're wondering what my audio quality sounds like shit. My laptop is totally toast, so I have to uh, get it get like a software um update ran on it. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, spyware. I have to run the spyware. He was trying to write, uh, a, yeah,
2: blog. Was was trying to write a blog. He was trying to write a blog the other day, and it just didn't go very well for him. He wound up uh, <laughs> finishing it on the iPad. So it's
1: now. It's not what you're thinking. I'll actually just full-on come out and say that I tried to download um, Fortnite to my laptop so that my girlfriend could play it, and I'm pretty sure I gave myself a virus, and it's just been fucked up ever since. So I tried to, Yeah, I tried to write the blog the other day, and it kept just closing out the Internet um, Explorer thing on its own, and just now I was trying to call you guys, and it just kept booting me out of the call, and, you know the show must go on obviously we got to get an episode recorded for you guys and i don't have a tech guy handy at nine thirty at night on a wednesday so here we are <laughs> <laughs> power through. yeah there's ever like an awkward pause or overlap it's because i basically am a guest on Shy today. thank you guys for having me on
2: <laughs> just power through it just power through it dude <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> just power through it <laughs>
1: So why don't you go ahead and bring it in with the Eloy and extension.
2: All right, Eloy agreed to a six-year $43 million base contract and with a pair of club options where it'll max out around $77 million in value. This is a pretty team-friendly deal. Johnny, what do you think about that deal? Yeah,
0: so that that's actually, so it's kind of an interesting dynamic here. Because the guy hasn't played a game in the majors yet, so I feel like that's you know definitely still a concern when you look around. It's going to blow that out of the water for uh, guys with no service time yet. But when you think about the type of star that this guy can be, even at his floor, um, I think you're getting a really solid value on him. For these next six years, and then it could be up to eight assuming the team exercises those two club options at the end of it. So, you know, 77 million for that. Um, you know, at least even if he chooses to walk after all of that, at least you're getting the most out of some of his prime years at a good value.
1: Johnny, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I totally, yeah, I totally agree. Um, it was kind of something that we had talked about previously saying that the only reason that Eli Jimenez was getting held down was because of his contract and the way it was set up. So it'll be interesting to see how long they actually end up keeping Eli Jimenez down in the minors or if, if he's even, on the, I mean, he's in minor league camp now. So it's basically impossible for him to break uh, spring training with the team, but it'll be interesting to see how long they keep him down there. Uh, maybe bring him up by the home opener. You don't know. I mean, That's really soon, but the uh, rule two isn't really something that we have to look at with Eli Jimenez now because he's essentially got a big league player contract.
2: So Nightingale did say something on Twitter today about it's undetermined whether or not he'll start with the club. And you did bring up something about uh, they did just option him down uh, to the minor league camp. Uh, I guess there's a 10 day waiting period. I'm pretty sure I got a credit. Uh, I think it's Josh Nelson with this. Um, but that 10 day period will have passed by the time opening day comes around. So I think they technically can bring him up. Um, but I'm wondering, like you said, the home opener guys, um, that would be an interesting day to bring him up. Maybe just let him wait until the home opener, get his first at bats in a Sox uniform in front of the home crowd. Um, I wouldn't say that that's a bad idea. I'd love to be there for Eloy's first at-bat. I think that that's something special, something fun for all the fans. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, the best chance to win ball games, I think, is if you put Eloy in the lineup opening day.
1: So I was at work today. Who exactly broke the news on the Eloy deal? Do you guys know? Was it Nightingale?
2: No, it was actually Hector Gomez.
1: You're lying. Was it our guy?
2: It was our guy, and there was a lot of back and forth on uh, on Twitter about this. What but Mr. Is
1: his specific tie to the White Sox organization, I'm really interested.
2: I, I have no idea. We, <laughs> I'd love to get him on. We've been we've been trying to get Hector on for a while, <laughs> um, but uh, he got the credit from uh, Jeff Passan as well as Ken Rosenthal for having it first.
1: Wow. Yeah, he's been having he's been having the best off season out there besides the whole Machado thing. <laughs> I well, mean, he still even got the details right, but yeah, kind of I mean, bit him in the ass. when he... yeah. I, I mean,
2: and the other thing the is, shit. I don't, I don't get all the, I don't get all the hate for some, from some people. Um, Johnny knows exactly what I'm talking about here because um, he saw it. I, I know you were at work, but uh, I had an exchange uh, on Twitter earlier today with somebody who. Uh, who who told me that uh, both uh, Ken Rosenthal and and, and Jeff Passan were wrong because Hector was wrong on the initial because he, he came out a few weeks ago or maybe it was about a week ago with the uh, the Sox might have um, Eloy extended on a hundred million dollar deal and then we saw Bruce Levine come back and say that's a pipe dream it's not going to happen but then um, today Hector came back and reported that uh, that they were nearing the um, the extension with him, Rosenthal, all, all the big names jumped in pretty much right away. I think the first one I saw was from Pisan, Um that uh, that the the deal was close, and then you know it was pretty much official right then and thereafter. So um, good work from Hector. Right.
1: Yeah, hell yeah. All right. So basically, following you. So going into the off season, we really wanted, or us as fans really wanted, one of Bryce Harper or Manny Machado swinging a miss, right? Yep. Going into next offseason, we really wanted Nolan Arenado, right, to make up for the lack of Harper and Machado. Swing and a miss, right?
2: I mean, if you ask Clinton Cole, I think he wanted Nolan Arenado more than he wanted Machado or Bryce Harper.
1: I think Rick Hahn's kind of following suit with these extensions that these players are signing, and he just wanted to give. I mean, Eloy was going to sign an extension at some point regardless, and it's better sooner rather than later when it's, like they're kind of doing like what they did with Sam Anderson. The Sox are known for the dumbness. We talked about this before. So I think it's very important that they got ahead on it, but they're still also kind of following a trend that we're starting to see.
2: Oh, absolutely. And that, that trend wasn't set by them. Um, but you got to, you got to, nope. I think it's a little bit different than some of these other deals, John, um, just in the sense that, I mean, some of those guys, you look at Trout, you look at Arenado. You look at some of those other guys. These are proven, proven players. And then the Sox go and give the money to Eloy, who hasn't even played a game yet. And I think that's where some people are coming out that that this is this is risky um, for the Sox to do it. I mean, this is the this is the this broke the record for uh, most dollars given to a player who doesn't have any MLB service time. I mean, how does and
1: that have a chance to break the record for the White Sox uh, contract record?
2: That is correct as well. Because, I mean, it could, if, if those options are picked up and Eloy hits the incentives, that's a bigger contract than a Brave got. So here's the question that I want to pose to you guys is, Does Rick Khan come out and say, you know, we have now proven ourselves to be different again? Because I don't know if you guys got a chance to listen to the. Uh, interview that uh, White Sox Dave and Carl did on, on Red Light Radio with Rick Khan and he kind of went along the, the lines of, you know, we've proven people wrong over and over again over the course of the rebuild, where, you know, we wouldn't make a trade with the Cubs, and they went and made a trade with the Cubs. He even said, um, people didn't believe that we would rebuild at all, and we started the rebuild. We wouldn't sign an international player and pay a, a tax penalty on it. They signed uh, Luis Robert. Now you know i i'm i'm just wondering if rick then uses this as a not excuse but as another one of those examples in a long line of examples that that he has given so far that um he is uh in control of this rebuild and that things are all going along swimmingly because we haven't even gotten into some of the darker things that have happened i mean we're we're happy with this extension but everything hasn't been all hunky dory all off season we bought, we all know that yeah. yeah
1: so um, I, I, no, go ahead,
0: Johnny. I, I was just going to say, I listened to the interview too, and I'm sure he will try and use that as some sort of leverage there. Um, but they, I think John said it best that they were going to extend him at some point here. So I don't think anyone was really like doubting that. It's not like a, oh, we proved you wrong point. So he may try to use it as that, but <laughs> in reality, I don't think it's, uh, I mean, it's a nice surprise. It's a nice little, you know, uh throw me a bone as a White Sox fan, but uh yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I I d I don't think he should use that, but he probably will. That's just my take on it.
1: Yeah, so we could sit here and talk about Rick Con and Eloy Menez all freaking night. But like I said earlier, opening day is a week away. Um the opening game of Major League Baseball was actually this morning, guys. I don't know if you guys caught any of it when you were waking up for work or anything, but I missed it entirely and tried to watch the rerun in Spanish when I woke up, and it did not go too well for me. So I
2: didn't catch it either. I did catch the highlights. I woke up after it would was already finished, but uh, uh, Twitter is a wonderful thing, as we all know, so I was able to catch all of the all of the gifts and, and replays of the game looked like a slugfest. And I don't think that MLB did a very good job of marketing this game. And just Not as a, as a, as a baseball fan, um, I think this is a very terrible way to open your season. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I, the, the week before everybody else starts playing overseas at a time when baseball fans are mostly sleeping. I mean, imagine if you were on the West coast um, there's no chance in hell you're you're catching this game. So I don't know how you guys feel about <laughs> it. it. It was an awesome game. Well, it would so, have been it would have been so, awesome if people got to see it.
1: Yeah, no, actually, like, yeah, I kind of skimmed through like a quick bit of it, and it looked like a fun ass baseball game to watch. Um, two things. This off season's been so fucking long that I totally forgot the Mariners. Is who we traded Omar Narvaez too. I'm not even kidding you. But, I mean, not entirely, but like when I saw him, I was like, oh shit. I totally forgot he's on the Mariners now. I didn't. I knew he wasn't on the White Sox anymore, but I totally forgot it was the Mariners. Um, for some reason, I thought we got him from the Rays, because that's where Colin used to come from or he used to play. But uh, yeah, so that and they have that umpire. I think it's the umpire, or the catcher can that they do. I don't know which one it is. I think it's the umpire. I think it's wears. umpire it's like, camp, a Go, yeah. it's like a yeah. It's like a fucking GoPro that he wears on his mask. Sickest angle for home runs I've ever seen. It's so cool, and I've seen it before, but the fact that they're now using it at like the major league level is like impressive,
2: yeah, they definitely need to make a thing of that i, I th- there's a lot that baseball can do to expand on you know the products that we get to consume, and you're seeing some of the stuff that they're doing, cool stuff, but also some really weird stuff. um I don't know if you guys took in that spring training game yesterday or last night. But how did you guys feel about the planting a runner on second base at the end of the game to try and speed things up? I know, Johnny, you went down to, to Arizona. Did you see any of that? Did you catch any of that? I'm not sure if you had that happen in any of your games. I don't think they were testing that out at that point in time. But to me, this is just one of the most absolutely ridiculous things to do in baseball. It's just it's not baseball.
0: Yeah, It sounded I agree, like
1: dude. Scott Merck and didn't even fucking know like what was going on when it happened. <laughs> I saw the tweet that he put out. He's like, and for some reason, there's a runner at second base to open up the bottom of the ninth. I saw that.
0: Yeah, so I didn't see any of it firsthand. Um, I don't know if they weren't doing it, but I, I also don't think we were in any position like that um, to where the circumstances uh, were such that they grant them that. I'm not gonna say they require it. They they grant him that. Like you had to think Tony, your tweet was good last night, the uh you know, earn your spot on base. Um I'm on board with that. I understand it's experimental, but it's weird. It's just not baseball to me. So that's my take on it.
2: So before before we go any farther, um let's let's get to an ad read real quick. Uh when we get back we're going to get into the season preview blog that we just mentioned. We had all the writers uh, for Shy Sox Weekly, uh, put their heads together, come up with their predictions for the 2019 White Sox season. Uh, we're going to get to that uh, right after the break.
0: We're back. It's episode 33 of Shy Sox Weekly. It is the 2019 season preview episode. We released a blog earlier this week with our predictions for the 2019 season. We had some interesting categories in there and some interesting predictions. So we are going to kind of talk through it a little bit here because we didn't really have a whole lot of room for explanation on it. So we kind of wanted to get some expanded thoughts on it here. So... Uh, We will go down through the categories that we had mentioned in the blog, give a little bit of basis on them, and then we also have some other burning questions to answer at the end. So without further ado, it's the Shy Sox Weekly 2019 season preview. All right, for most wins, um, this was for uh, pitchers, most wins. Jonda had Ronaldo Lopez at 14, Tony had Rodan at 15, and I also had Rodan, but at 16. So uh, let's just go a little round table here. We'll go in the same order every time, uh, John, Tony, and then back to me. And then we'll give a little bit of explanation of why we picked them. Uh, who else we think could be a candidate for that. And then we also have a few comments based on what our other contributors uh, put into that blog. So, John, let's lead us off here. Ronaldo Lopez, 14 wins. How did you get to that, and how are you feeling about it?
1: Yeah, so it is interesting because, one, Renaldo Lopez only had, I think, seven wins last year,
0: and he played the
1: whole season. So, one, that would mean that he would have to double his win total to get 14, which was all which was already kind of a stretch. But I think the thing that I was on is he had such a low ERA that that can equate to wins if he gets offensive run support. Like, we were starting to call him Jose Quintana after a while because he was literally getting zero run support. Um, I'm not saying that we have a better offense this year than we did last year, but in my opinion, the less at-bats for a guy like a Matt Davidson and a freaking... Nicky Delmonico, who I don't think we're going to see a whole bunch of this year, like anybody like that, and we're going to replace those at bats with, I mean, at least Eloy Jimenez, and hopefully Mancada takes a step forward. So that's our that's that question to me was partially offensive with the win total, um, but I don't know. I just think Reynaldo is going to be our guy this year. Um, I think Rodon gets hurt. As, I mean, I hate the sound like a pessimistic guy but i think Rodon gets hurt at some point whether it's a long stretch or just a short stretch so i don't think he's gonna have as many starts as Reynaldo does so that's why i had him in, in front of Rodon. but i do think rodan's gonna have a decent year so i would have had one of them at the top
2: yeah you actually touched on something you said the offense improves and i i kind of base this on almost my pick as well here um, if we get a full season of Rodon and the offense actually gives him run support, and, I mean, you pretty much hammered home the same same point here. Less at-bats from Matt Davidson. We're going to see less at-bats from guys like Nicky Delmonico now. Um, you've replaced them with, you know, John Jay, Eloy Jimenez. I mean, those are, those are improvements. So I actually do see this team maybe winning a few more ballgames than they did last year. We'll get to total wins later, but... I think a full season of healthy Rodon and I'm I'm kind of uh, I guess that 15 number kind of just shocks me because I don't think the Sox have had uh many pitchers winning, you know, double digit games and I, I'm I'm actually just feeling a little bit better because Johnny picked 16 for Rodon and I only have 15, so I feel like I I was <laughs> a little bit less uh, less bold than than Johnny was with the with the 15 because I just feel like if if we've got a 16 game winning pitcher, like the team can't be that terrible, right? So I I, I don't know, like 15 feels like a stretch for me. I I don't know what the the total was last year, but. I don't know if we'll get anybody that really actually passes like twelve wins, but then again, we talked about how the offense improves. I, I'm I'm really hot and cold on this team. I don't know what's going to happen, but I I feel like if Rodon has a good year, um, and the offense is improved, you can see a guy win fifteen, and I don't see a reason why Rodon can't be that guy. So I'll pass it over to Nani and his and his one up on me with the sixteen.
0: Yeah, so you made some good points about uh, Rodon there. And then I like John's point, too, that it's kind of offensive here. Um, I don't think we'll be that much improved offensively, but definitely, like John had mentioned, taking at-bats away from Nicky Delmonico, Matt Davidson, replacing them with even at least Eloy Jimenez. That makes me a little more hopeful. And then for Rodon himself, the reason I picked him was coming into the season healthy, something he hasn't done over the past two seasons. So it's not like his spring training setback. He's making a Canapolis start, then a Charlotte start and then coming up. He's starting with the team. He is the opening day starter. That gives me a little more confidence. I have faith that he'll stay healthy. Um, That may be a leap of faith. I know, John, the injury concerns are definitely there. But um, I think that was also him trying to rush back a little bit from where he would get re-injured later in the season over the past couple of years. So I'm going to say he knocks that off and actually stays healthy for the most part. Uh, Doesn't miss too many starts. And the 16, I think, is a little bold. Um, but he's playing for a uh, contract this year, guys. So uh, that that was my reasoning behind Rodon at 16 wins. So, oh, um, uh, true. I didn't even think games. about it.
1: Contract year, yeah, true that. So
2: the other you thing that I yeah, the other thing I used here was the Zips projections, and he was the highest rated pitcher in the rotation as far as WAR. So I figured if I had to pick somebody, I'm gonna go with. Uh, some of the experts and who they picked as the best pitcher. But uh, it's not always the best pitcher that equates to wins, and we all know that, but I I just felt like it was a safe bet. Let's get into um, Zimmer's prediction here, Um, our blogger Andrew Zimmer.
1: uh, Yeah, speaking of uh, the best pitcher having the most wins, that's who fucking led the team in wins last year was Lucas (laughs) Giolito.
2: Yep. (laughs) That's right where we're going. Andrew Zimmer picked Lucas Giolito with 16 wins, guys. If Lucas Giolito rattles off 16 wins, how does this team look this year? And is this even remotely possible? Let's break it down. Uh, Suarez, you can go first.
1: Well, what I want to break down is how I kind of stopped paying attention to his stats last year. And when I looked it up when I was doing that blog, how the fuck did that dude get 10 wins last year? That's what I want to know. But, yeah. I don't know. Obviously, Jordan Lazowski probably uh, read that blog. I don't know if you maybe sent it to him, Johnny, and was like, hey, get a load of this. But I'm sure if he saw that, he was very happy about that. I uh, already went on the record saying that I believe that Andrew Zimmer uh, might have been smoking some PCP before he did those predictions because there's some fucking out there predictions on there.
0: Yeah, he was, yeah he was wilding on those. Um, I, I don't think Lucas Giolito gets uh, 16 wins. No way. Um, if he does, that would be absolutely fantastic, and that would um, make us feel actually a lot more hopeful about the rebuild. I mean, as long as that ERA is down and it's a worthwhile 16 wins and not just flukes or he is out of the bullpen and collecting those wins there. So, uh, Zimmer, uh, that's a leap of faith. Good for you, but <laughs> I I would never put money on it.
2: Watch Giolito get like 17 wins this year
1: Yeah I was about to say Don't get me wrong Big Zims is my guy And watch Giolito just prove us wrong And then he just has reason to talk shit to us forever
2: Big Zims and Jordan Lazowski Will have like a party In the fucking lot B With Lucas Giolito And those three can I don't know Rub it in our faces That that he actually did well this year (laughs) And we probably won't be able to live that down Um, let's, let's move it on, Johnny. Let's get to, uh, most home runs.
0: Yeah. So most home runs, those are second category. John picked Tim Anderson with 26. Tony picked Daniel Polka with 32 and I went with Jose Abreu with 30. So John, big Timmy guy over there. Let's hear it. Yeah.
1: So Tim Anderson, I don't know. I don't have his stats pulled up. You guys kind of caught me off guard, even though we talked about this and I should have been prepared. Um, Tim Anderson, I believe hit 14 home runs the year before last year and last year he hit 20. So I basically just took the six home runs that he leaped last year and just added it to him again. Um, Tim Anderson is the kind of guy that would max out at like 25, 26 home runs. There's no way he gets past 30. But I think that there's so many different guys that we see on this White Sox team this year that there's not gonna it's kind of gonna be like last year where you just got a lot of guys in, like, the 20 range. Like, I think it was Palka at 20, what did he have, 28 or 29, right?
0: I think it was 27.
1: 27. And then it's, like, a drop down to, like, Davidson had, like, 24, 23. And you got all these guys in, like, the low 20 range. So I think it's going to be very similar to that this year in the fact that we're going to be switching a lot of guys out. You're going to be seeing guys get shipped out probably at the trade deadline. Um, guys that aren't going to be able to accumulate a full-season Uh One of the guys that I had in mind, which would be weird because I don't think he's ever hit more than 20 home runs, but I just really feel like Wellington Castillo is going to have a fucking decent year offensively this year. And I, I hope he does so that we can get something for him at the deadline.
2: So, yeah, uh, John, Anderson was a decent pick here because now that I go back to baseball reference, You've got uh, a 17-home run year, a 20-home run year. You get him, uh, I don't know, he had, he had 606 plate appearances in 17 and 18. I would say in the, if if he continues that trend, you're looking at 23, 25 homers. I think that's where he tops out at, but that's not a bad pick. And then if you put some injury history on, on some of these guys, I know Abreu got hurt last year, didn't really reach his home run total. I know I picked Polka. Um, and this was like you said earlier in the blog. This was purely based on our bet, but uh, I had to go with my my guy Daniel Polka here with 32. Um, but I am a little bit scared because I, I think that his playing time is going to be a little bit limited in the outfield. Um, you have yeah. to you have to think that with that outfield, you got John Jay, Adam Engel. You've got now Eli Jimenez is signed. You know he's gonna he's gonna be up there. Um, getting a majority of the plate appearances. You've still got Delmonico. You've got Garcia. Uh, we don't know who else from that that uh, that outfield mess that they have down there. Like Brandon Geyer. all these guys are going to be fighting for for plate appearances. I'm not even going to say that he's going to make the team, but there's still the chance. So that's going to limit the a at huge bats. Chance
1: he makes the team.
2: And then uh, with that said too, you've you've got Yonder Alonso and Jose Abreu taking the the lion's share of, of starts at first in DH so there's really nowhere to put Palka. Um, so a lot of those home runs I feel like are gonna have to come from uh, pinch hits uh, late in the game. And I mean he did it last year, but that's something that's kind of hard to repeat without you know consistent plate appearances. So um, I think Palka has the power to hit 32. But does it happen? Uh, I'm a little bit more leery of that than I was last year when uh, when Paulka hit that home run against the Cubs and Johnny and I uh, got completely wasted and we made that, that gentleman's bet that um, you weren't even there to make. So um, I actually do like your Anderson 26. I think you can get close to that. Um, but I think the guy that Nani picked is actually probably going to beat both of us, so I'll hand it over
1: to him.
0: Yeah, so Was I went with Jose,
1: or a Jose
0: guy? I went with Jose here. Um, I said that Jose Abreu is going to hit an even 30. So that is kind of in jeopardy with the injury history. Uh, that is where I worry about that pick. But I also kind of go back to my reasoning for Rodon. Uh, this is a contract year, yes. He is wanting an extension probably from the White Sox. So, um, you know, he's looked good in spring for the most part. He had two home runs last night. Um, so that's encouraging for my pick there, but, uh, I, I just love Jose. I think the power's still there. Uh, I think you've heard Stoney and, uh, Benetti talking a little bit about how this could be a resurgent year, even Chuck Garfine mentioning it. Um, not that he was terrible last year. He was out for a period with injuries, um, but definitely down from his, his early his
1: balls were all tied up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's true. The, that is. Remember
1: yeah. when we went over that for like thirty minutes on that episode?
0: So well, we couldn't figure out.
2: It. We couldn't exactly figure out what that injury was.
1: But, <laughs> but sorry, I don't think we wanted. That's just the funniest injury ever.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a painful one. But yeah, when anything <laughs> anything that deals with that region, I mean, you can usually make some humor out of it. So I'm glad you guys did. <laughs> I just, <did. laughs> just like
2: the I just like the fact that they didn't say what it was for the longest time, and then like the club didn't. But then Jose, I believe, was the one who came out and was like, this is what happened. Yeah. And everybody was like, whoa. <laughs> 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 it, 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 it was just uh, such a weird circumstance. Just, just and then he got an like, This is why we do the talking. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then didn't he get, like, an infection from the procedure, too, that, like, kept him out for a while? And, and, Johnny, you bring up another point, too. It's like a resurgent year. The guy was an all-star. Yeah.
0: He was an all-star. I mean. I'm talking about like compared to his, you know, earlier like I know, but that just I, I think that speaks, yeah, great. that speaks more volumes
2: to what the AL Central and even the AL in in as a whole provides as far as first basemen go, because you've got and that's why I I I'm a I'm a big uh, fan of re signing Abreu because there's really not that much else out there, I mean, yeah.
0: I'm on that board, too. I love Jose, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right. Yeah. you want
1: to? Well, yeah. speaking of Jose Abreu, every single blogger picked him to be our RBI leader, so I don't think we really need to even kind of delve into that. We could probably just jump straight into the ERA questions if you guys want to. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing we had differing was the number of RBIs that we thought he was going to have. John had the sure low with 90. I, um, Tony, I think Tony ended up having the high with 101. I was uh, up towards the top there with 97. But everyone else was right in the middle there. So yeah, we can go on to ERA. Awesome. Move yeah, the
1: only reason... Okay, well, we can briefly describe it, but the only reason I like only had 90 for my team leader in RBIs is because like, I kind of stuck with the home runs. I think it's going to be a lot of offense by committee this year, and it's going to be guys getting hot at different times of the year, and providing stats because I don't think this offense is worth shit put together and you don't have a bona fide stud until Eloy comes up and shows us something.
0: I agree with you 100%. I think it's going to be a lot by committee, and I think you'll be the closest there uh, in that prediction, John. But I like to have high hopes for my boy, little Brayu. So huh. um, yeah. on under the, the ERA. Um, we, had, we went with highest and lowest ERA here. So we're going to start with the highest. Um, John picked Ivan Nova with four point nine six ERA. Tony picked Lucas Giolito with a six plus, and I picked Lucas Giolito with a five point three. So, John, Ivan Nova, uh, kick it off.
1: Uh yeah, well the only reason that I picked Nova to be high is because I think he's gonna end up with the most innings on the White Sox if he stays healthy. Um and I don't think he's really all that special. <laughs> I, from what I've seen this spring, I know it's spring training. I don't think he's looked too great in the starts that I've seen on TV. I haven't been following the games like you guys have on the webcast and stuff. I'm not really that much of a spring training guy. But I don't know. I don't think Giolito has as high of an ERA this year. I think he's got like a four eight. Like I think he'll be like us a hair under Ivan Nova. Like it's going to be a very close race between them two and whoever that fifth starter is at the beginning of the year is not going to be the fifth starter at the end of the year, and I don't think their ERA gets that up. So, we'll see. Um, and we kind of had like an inning limit on that, so I don't remember what exactly it was, but you can't just have like some guy come up for like spot starts and make like four or five starts and throw like 30 innings all year and have like an eighty ADRA. That's not going to play. So we're talking about the guys that are going to be on the team for the most part.
0: Yeah, the qualified guys. If you go on Baseball Reference and do the qualified, that's what we went with.
2: Yeah, yeah so, so uh, Nova has a 4.26 career ERA. So that I wanted to dig in a little bit here before I, I talk about Lucas Giolito, but um, I, I think Beefo said it best. If Nova lead, <laughs> leads the team with the highest ERA – at a four point two seven, like Zimmer said, we've got a really knockout staff. I mean, your worst pitcher on the staff with a four of qualified uh, uh, pitchers with a four what is a four two seven? I mean, we're talking. We've got guys in the threes and the twos. Um, I, that's really bold to me. Because you know you're going to have somebody up in the five six. I I just don't see it. Yeah. Um Lucas Giolito uh, had one of the highest years, if not the highest. I'm pretty sure in the league last year. Um, the defense guys, uh, the, the the outfield defense. I mean, Eloy Jimenez, Polka, uh, John Jay out there. Um, I know we've got Adam Engel who can who can save a run or two, but this defense is not great. It's not the best defense. There's going to be runs given up. The Sox are going to have to slug Bob. The, yeah, not great Bob at all. They're going to have to slug out a lot of games. Even if they're winning games, I still I can still see some, you know, 9-8s, some 7-4s, you know, like even if they're even if they're winning games, I can still see them averaging giving up 3-4 runs a game. So, Lucas Giolito as weird as it sounds, can end up winning, again, 10-plus games with an over-6 ERA. And that's why I feel like he's probably going to wind up there. I'm I'm really surprised that we didn't break this down into starters versus relievers or just limit it to starters to begin with, uh, rotation guys. But I'm pretty sure we all took starters in this. Um, I feel like it could be pretty easy for a guy like Nate Jones, after what we've seen this spring, to wind up being the – the the team ERA leader. Uh but like you said, we put some qualifiers yeah. on it. Uh and not every reliever is going to make it to to those innings, but um Lucas Giolito is it, it, it even even though he's done a little bit better this spring, um it's still not promising enough for me to say that he's going to take a, a big leap forward and not be uh the guy who has the highest ERA on the team. Um Johnny, you also went with Giolito. You went 5-3, so uh, let's, let's hear
0: what you got to say. Yeah. So I feel like now I went a little bit low on them, but, um, I, I do think it's a little bit, uh, you know, more control. If you're asking me for the highest URA re- remove the qualifiers, I think it's the Igo Um, I think that's without a question Well, because um, Juan Manaya got sent down.
2: Yeah, exactly. But
0: he's all all over the place. No, but uh, Lucas Giolito, basically same reasoning behind that, Tony. Uh, I can still see him winning a decent amount of games, like, you know, he led last year with 10, led the team. Um, So it's just an interesting dynamic, going to be a slugfest, uh, given the defense behind him, so... Uh, that's that's all I got. But what we were referencing with uh, Zimmer also picked Nova, like John did, but J- Zimmer said he was going to have a 4.27, and if that's the highest, then, you know, like Tony had mentioned, b saying, oh, well, then this team's uh, winning the division, then, if that's your highest. So, uh, another uh, another great talking point there from uh, Andrew Zimmer, our blogger, uh, but Gio was the most common among the staff. Uh, Geo had a f- 6.13 last year uh that was the highest among qualified pitchers last year so that's the highest let's get to the lowest now um because well, yeah, Don, speaking, of, ch-
1: speaking of big zims um tony had brought up nate jones so why don't you go ahead and rattle off all the guys uh lowest era for Shy Sox weekly
0: yeah so uh Let's see, so, all right, John had Kelvin Herrera at 2.48, Tony had Alex Calame at 2.21, I had Jace Fry at 2.29. Lopez was the uh, lowest last year among those qualified, and that was a 3.91, so we we are shooting lower this year, but understandably so, all of our guys are bullpen guys that we picked, um, we're assuming that these guys, like a Kelvin Herrera, Alex Calame, will actually reach those innings, um, unlike, I think, you know, Jace Fry was probably one of the only ones last year, too. Um, but, yeah, uh, John, you want to? Kelvin Herrera. You got some high hopes uh, recover from the injury, yeah?
1: I do have high hopes that he's recovering from the injury. Um, it's always nice to see someone work with Don Cooper, and to see if he can kind of fix them obviously injuries are different but i do feel like calvin herrera is going to have a bounce back year. um a lot of people hate hearing this but a lot of teams that he's familiar with you know when he went to the nl east that's not really territory that you're familiar with he's played every other game in his career in the al central so um yeah just familiarity there the other guy I was planning on picking, but like you guys said, the inning limit, that kind of got me. I really think that Ryan Burr is going to have a phenomenal year out of the bullpen, so that's something that I want you guys to look out for. If he ends up sucking, blame it on me. But I really do think that his uh, spring success is going to translate over into the regular season.
0: I like what I saw from Burr last year, too. So I agree. Yeah. He, he could definitely be a sleeper. I agree the innings thing. maybe about a about him. reach, But yeah. For sure. Tony, uh, Alex Calame, trade acquisition.
2: So I've always been a big fan of his just from fantasy baseball. Um, This goes back maybe two or three years. Um, He was a good closer uh, on a fantasy team that I had, racked up a lot of saves, helped me get into the playoffs. Um, So I've been a big fan of his. Um, Big fan of the the hat cocking that he does, moves his hat to the side. Um, It bothers some people. Uh, Just an uh, all-around column guy here. So I feel like, uh, you know, him in the bullpen, he can be a shutdown piece. Um, Nothing more than gut feeling here. Not too sure of if he can actually reach that level. Um, What I've seen out of him in spring training is that uh, he probably can't. But uh, I feel like he, if if anybody is going to be the shutdown guy in the bullpen, uh, it's probably going to be him. So um, just took a shot in the dark. It could easily be Herrera. Um, it could easily be a guy like jace fry i feel like um but just kind of shot in the dark guy's got experience he's a veteran um has experience in that closer role so i feel like uh he's got a good shot at at leading the team there
0: yeah i went with jace fry uh that goes to his nasty slider um i love it uh it's it makes guys miss. It makes them look so stupid. Um, I'm not going to say it's Chris Sale level, but that's what it gives me vibes of if you're talking about a guy slinging across his body a little bit in a White Sox uniform. Um, so I, I have high hopes for Fry. He's really young. Um, I, I think he's going to stay healthy. Um, that's why I went with Jace Fry there. And he was also one of the only... Uh, one of three relievers last year to qualify in those innings. And I think he only gets more this year, more work this year. The other guys to qualify last year were Hector Santiago and Dylan Covey, but I guess Dylan Covey had starts too. So that helps prop him, but you know um, he was kind of swing man. Covey was at that point. So Jace Fry is my pick. Um, let's see. The next category we had was the player most likely to be traded a uh, category that we're all too familiar with here as White Sox fans. Uh, we get decent relievers, and then we ship them off. We trade them for prospects that may or may not work out. Um, usually, on the latter side, don't work out. But uh, for the player most likely to be traded, it was an interesting category. Uh, Jonna went with this guy who he thinks is going to have a hot year this season, Wellington Castillo. Tony went with Kelvin Herrera, his ERA low. And I went with Kelvin Herrera as well. Um other guys mentioned from our panelists were James McCann, Daniel Palka, Alex Calame, and John Jay. So we had a Tony and I were the only ones that doubled up. Um but I'll give my reasoning for that when we get back around this table. So John, start it off Wellington Castillo.
1: Yeah, so I had like briefly touched on it earlier, but I really think that if Wellington Castillo has like a good first half of the season, that you gotta trade him, right? Because it's the last year of his contract. If we're not in a position to win ball games, there's always a team that can use a bat that's hot. I mean, even if he's not really catching for you, Wellington Castillo is the type where He's beef, dude. You can throw him at DH if you really have to, or bring him in. Like You, you could benefit from having Wellington Castillo on a postseason roster easily. So that was more so my log- or logic on that. I do think that we're going to get uh, a few trades, but I do think that beef is one that goes.
2: No, I think that's a good pick too. I kind of doubled back off of my Uh, blog that I wrote earlier in the offseason when we brought in Herrera and and Calame about how it's time to stop trading relievers I just feel like the Sox have done this over and over and over again I mean you've seen it with all the bullpen pieces whether it be Canely all the way down to guys like Soria Uh, Han will sign a reliever or uh, acquire a reliever who's really good at the back end of the bullpen. And then over the course of the rebuild, he ships them off at the trade deadline for minor league pieces. If the Sox aren't in a position to compete this year, um, even if they're close, I think, you know, if you're in third place, fourth place, five, six games back, I mean, you remove the, the waiver deadline now. um, I think it's really easy for Han to pull the trigger on, on a deal for, Either Herrera, Colome, maybe even Nate Jones if he's doing well, um, and then you know recoup another prospect here. Um, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see it happen. Uh, you signed him to not just a one-year deal, so um, it would be nice to have him around for a little bit. I mean, same thing with Colome; they're they're locked up under team control for for multiple years. It uh, it doesn't. Sit well with me because I want to see this team compete, but at the same point in time, uh, being a realist, I think that those are movable assets where you can get something back, and you do have a lot of guys in the bullpen that are coming up. You talk about guys like Ian Hamilton, Jace Fry, um, you know some of these other guys that uh, are going to need innings, going to need a chance, and they've actually you know shown something. So, uh, giving those guys some late inning situations, we not even naming a guy like uh, like Birdie. Um, who he had gotten the draft and hadn't really had a chance to see yet. So um, I just feel like those might be movable pieces. It's nice to have some veterans there. I don't know why the Sox still love Nate Jones as much as they do, uh, but I can see a world where they get rid of both Calame and Herrera, and Nate Jones is still somehow in the bullpen. That's why I went with Herrera. <laughs> I think it's, I guess yeah, just... it would be
1: fucking hell.
2: Yeah, I know, I, it, but that it just seems too real to me. Uh, one of those things that I've I've come to love over the course of the last week or so is the hashtag that's so White Sox. And I'm gonna hand it over to the guy that that created that hashtag. Yeah,
0: that would be that so White Sox. I was about to interject with it, so uh, you you read my mind there perfectly when you're talking about that scenario where. Both the guys that we had signed to uh, more than one year of control, um, those guys being shipped off, and Nate Jones still being here, so that would be that's a White Sox moment. Um, I went with Kelvin Herrera. Basically, my basis on it was demand. Bullpen arms are always in demand, Um, and I also I think Calame would probably be the sexier option. But if you're talking about a guy that goes first. I guess it's not even that, but uh, it's more of me wanting to hold on to Calame. I feel like the team themselves, they want a solid back end of the bullpen guy. So Calame would be a guy that you keep and want to shop Herrera first. So that's why I said Kelvin Herrera. But basically all the reasons that Tony had said, um, we've seen it. They've shipped the likes of Xavier Cedeno, Luis Avilan, uh, guys that are not as good as Kelvin Herrera. Uh, or at least I hope Kelvin Herrera will be this year. Um, I know there is that injury pending, but um, that the, that's just my take on it. I think it'd be Herrera most or most likely to be traded there. So, team MVP. Now we're getting to the home stretch here. Team MVP. Yeah, two F- more. Right? Uh, yeah, two more categories, and then we got kind of a. Uh, r- we're gonna do a. Quick hit of sorts, but we're going to give a little more reasoning behind it after that. So, team MVP in F4. John went with Reynaldo Lopez, last year's team F4 uh, champion, if you can say that. Uh, Tony went with Eloy Jimenez, and I went with Jose Abreu. So, John, Reynaldo Lopez.
1: Yeah, um, I've kind of been echoing this the whole episode, but like I said, no single offensive player is going to step up like individually to like stand out above everybody else to be like an individual ML, or MLB MVP in my opinion. But I really do think Ray takes a step forward. I think he honestly has a shit if he's really fucking on. So I really, really hope that maturity wise he takes a step forward and he grows into something that we grow to love On the south side, which I'm already a huge Raylo guy, so if he takes a step forward this year, he is 100% going to be my favorite player on the fucking team.
0: Tony, you had the money man, recent money man, Eloy Jimenez. What is your reasoning behind that? My reasoning
2: behind that comes very easily now that he signed this deal. Kind of, Rickon throws me a bone today right before we record. Uh, My biggest worry on this one when I made this pick was... Eloy not seeing any time until May, June. But now that he's signed this extension, we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, we don't have to worry about the service time manipulation. We don't have to worry about the games that could be played. Eloy just signed, potentially, like we said, the biggest deal in White Sox history. Um, He has done nothing but rake at every level of the minor leagues. Um, he's the number two, number three prospect, even number one, some places you look, um, at some points over the course of his tenure in the minor leagues, he he's a slugger. And I feel like given consistent time in this lineup, he's going to continue to just hit the shit out of the ball. And I can easily see where he doesn't take the home run or RBI lead, but he's up there in almost every single category offensively and be the slugger in the middle of the lineup that the Sox need he could be the leader in home runs if he starts the season with the Sox, which i think he will he could be the leader in rbis as well he could have the highest war on this team pretty easily i feel like given the given the circumstances so i know we were we were going to use this as as f war um, to determine i i feel like eloy's that guy i think he's the the what everybody said is you know, you look at Yon Moncada, you look at some of these other guys who have come up and kind of faltered a little bit once they reach the major leagues. I don't think Eloy is going to have a problem. He's going to be that guy that hits the ground running. He's going to be the Ronald Acuna uh, of last year, and he's going to be a force in the major leagues. Uh, you look at some of his comps that he's been uh, associated with. You see names like Christian Yelich out there. Uh, this guy's going to be a stud, so... I feel like no better way to start the career of Eli Jimenez as a rookie of the year candidate if not winning it. And I think if he puts together that kind of campaign, he's the team MVP, uh, hands down.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. I really hope he does. Um, I hope my prediction's wrong then for that matter. But my prediction was Jose Abreu. I am placing good faith in him. I am uh, hoping the injury bug stays away from Jose Abreu, and I'm expecting a lot of home runs from Jose Abreu. So that will help boost that F4, um, hitting You know, 12 more home runs than he did last season. Uh, that'll help a big time. So that, that was my pick in a nutshell. Uh, last year's leader I had mentioned before was Lopez of the pitchers. That was overall with 2.2 F4. Anderson and Moncada both finished with 2. So uh, let's hope for some higher numbers there. Hopefully these contestants are reaching, you know, acceptable levels, uh, not 62 win team type of levels for F4 leaders. So, all right, last was the overall record. Um, our, from the Shy Sox Weekly staff, our picks ranged from 67 to 77 wins. Um, John picked the White Sox to go 77 and 85. Tony, 72 and 90. And I was the low man at that range uh sixty seven and ninety five so john seventy seven and eighty five any uh description of how they'll get there or why you think they're gonna be you know uh almost fifteen games better than last year yeah, two things
1: um the a l central is absolute fucking dog shit. I do think that last year it was debatably one of the worst divisions of all time but i really think that this year i don't know the background on what the worst division in major league baseball history is statistically but i do think they have a good chance to be that division um obviously there's been other divisions with um like when the nl central had six teams i don't know how you would kind of equate that but yeah 57 games that the White Sox play against AL Central opponents that they better pull at least 20 fucking five out of. Then after that, you just got to worry about, I don't know. Basically how I broke it down was we got to play those teams a lot. So we might as well get a majority of our wins from those teams and take a step forward because they got to start winning against the division. I echo this every fucking year. But if Rick Hahn wants to have a successful season this year, He'll have a positive division record while having a shitty record with a shitty team. You gotta win those games,
2: so I was actually surprised by your numbers, John, because I think last year i was I had a higher win total than you did, and when I saw you you were went, the
1: optimistic guy, eh?
2: yeah, I was optimistic. You went seventy seven and eighty five I still think the team improves this year, but I don't think they improve as much as you. Um the realistic pick for me was seventy-two ninety. I don't know why I went with this number, it just seemed right. Um I know Nani was a little bit more pessimistic than I am, but I still think that they're a Michael kopech type starter away from reaching around where you're talking, and then maybe another major addition to get up into that eighty eighty five win total. Um so no real rhyme or reason outside of the fact that I think that adding Eloy Jimenez, adding John Jay, adding Yonder Alonso, removing guys like you said earlier, like Matt Davidson at-bats, um, not that removing Omar Narvaez at-bats are bad, but a full season of Wellington Castillo, a guy that you brought up earlier, um, that was an aggressive signing by them last year. Uh that guy can kind of carry stuff. I mean hopefully we see some seppi train roll into station. He can provide a little bit even more offense uh you do have good bullpen guys like Kalame, Herrera. if they can uh be shut down guys at the end of games, you're not gonna see as many games slip away um if they don't trade them at the uh at the deadline, you can see some uh some more competitive baseball into august September. Um, so I think that you can get probably around 72, 75. I think they finished somewhere in between uh, you and me, John. But uh, Nani's going with the, uh, the severely pessimistic uh, sixty-seven, ninety-five. 95. Uh, he thinks it's going to be a repeat of last year. So let, uh, let's have him explain that after we talked about how, uh, how things are going to improve this year and, and what his reasoning is behind that.
0: Yeah, no, no question that the offense improves. I think some aspects improve. Um, seeing Eloy Jimenez will be great. I like. I know it doesn't fit that great on this team uh, now that you don't have Manny Machado, but I do like Yonder Alonso at bats more than Matt Davidson at bats. There's no question about that. I think everybody can at least agree on that, even if you don't like the trade for Yonder Alonso. Um, So there are some positive aspects. I do think the offense will be slightly improved. Um, But I think the pitching outside of Carlos Rodon and our basically three guys at the back of the bullpen, Jace Fry, Alex Calame, and Calvin Herrera, is going to be absolutely brutal again. Um, I'm sorry, but I don't see Lucas Giolito taking a major step forward. Um, I don't see... I mean, I think Reinaldo Lopez have a solid year, but I do think that it's probably fairly comparable to last year. Um, and then Ivan Nova, he's not going to eat as many innings as James Shields did. So even for as rough as Shields was at times, he went over 200 innings. Nova has never been there in his career, and he's not getting any younger. So you're going to go to your bullpen more frequently there. Um, and those guys that you're bridging the gap with, um, I just don't have faith in yet. Um, Even some of the young guys that uh, are slotted to come up at some point, um, I think they're going to get roughed up a little bit um, as a welcome to the big league, and you're also playing in a very hitter-friendly park. So mine comes more from the pitching end, Uh, and then the outfield defense, too. That's pretty terrible outside of Adam Angle. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think this team got even 10 wins better. That's why I only slotted them 5. Um I'm also I think just being a White Sox fan has made me pessimistic. Um just in general. So th- that's why I slotted them there. I'm the low man there. 67 and 95 was my prediction. So um I guess it's 5. You can't say I'm completely uh you know doom and gloom. I think we'll improve slightly. Uh we were 62 and 100 last season. So that's uh that's my reasoning behind the 6795 prediction so um, that does it for the topics on the roundtable blog. We have a few other questions um, that we want to do round table here really quick um, Just these are ones that, get you looking forward to the season. Um, it's something you get excited about, but then it's also things to keep in mind uh, you'll see in these questions. So I'm going to read it off, and then we can go in that same roundtable style. So who do you think has a breakout year, John?
1: Breakout year? I, uh... uh... Yeah, like you said, these are kind of quick hits. I didn't really put too much thought into it. If I had to guess, I'd say, yeah, kind of like I had mentioned earlier, Ryan Burr. Uh, Tony had mentioned that. I've uh, made a bunch Steve Johnny. He mentioned that he did have a pretty good year last year, but maybe not quite a household name, fact, the whole Burr-Hamilton shit that they do, which I have no idea what the fuck that's about, by the way. But, uh, famous duel. Yeah, famous duel. It's like a Shakespeare thing, right?
0: Historical, event. Yes yes it's a
2: Shakespeare thing
1: okay all right well that's why but yeah so I do think that he kind of becomes like a Jace Fry type like I mean a lot of Sox fans know of Jace Fry and that he is kind of solidified his role in our bullpen moving forward you know I don't even know if Bear's gonna be on the opening day roster to be quite honest with you but if he gets up If he starts with the team, I really do think he impresses, and that's going to be kind of my breakout player.
2: I'm going to go with Yohan Marcada. Just because I feel like this is the obvious pick. And I actually like him better at third base than I do second base. I feel like they should have never moved him over to second when he came over from the Red Sox. Um, People may disagree with this, but um, I feel like third base is a more premium position to play. And getting a guy who can be that high ceiling playing third base for you is going to be a lot better for your ball club than a second baseman. I just feel like second baseman, not as premium of a position. Um, yeah. And, I do
1: think that his ideal – Not hate to cut you off, but I do think his ideal position would probably be second base because isn't he like Robinson Cano's biggest fan?
2: Yeah, he is, but I, I I don't know, John. I just feel like I feel like having him at third, even though you even though you miss on Machado, even though it would have been better to have Machado playing third, I feel like your next best option there is to have Moncada. I know they've got guys like Bryce Bush, Jake Berger down in in the minors, uh, but those guys aren't ready right now. I think the way that you field your best team is having Moncada at third, and if he can have that breakout year offensively. Um, I think it's just way better for the white Sox. Not like I said, not as good as having like a a Manny Machado there, but, um, you know, I feel like it's a lot easier to find a second baseman than it is a third baseman. So moving him back over to third, um, you know, we've seen some stuff out of him in spring. You've seen him go yard from, from the right side of the plate. That's, that's promising. I don't know. I just feel like it's his year to kind of break out. You've got Eloy Jimenez coming up. I feel like that's going to take a little bit of the pressure off of, of Yon. And I feel like he's just, he's just ready to ready to have that season. So, uh, that's why I went, uh, I'm going Moncada.
0: Yeah, so I hate to double up, but I, I, I'm i going to go with you on Moncada here. I had already listed my gripes about the bullpen. Uh, I think there may be some promising arms that come up, but I do think they'll have their share of getting roughed up, so they may still have a wrap for not having a complete breakout season. So I'm going to go with Moncada, um, partially because, you know, he set the bar pretty low for himself last year with uh, the ridiculous strikeout numbers. So... Um, it's kind of hard to, I, 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 so first of all, I don't think he duplicates that again this year. I think he cuts down on him. I still think he'll strike out a decent amount. That's just the type of hitter that he is. He's very selective. Um, he really likes to, you know, get deep into the count and that works against him just, you know, statistically. So, um, but overall, I, I think he definitely, you know, cuts down on those numbers. Uh, I think we'll see a little more pop from him too. um, I I agree with the positional sort of aspect that Tony had mentioned about it. Um, He wants to play second. That's his natural position, as he said, whatever. Uh, He also said he's willing to do whatever to help the team. And he's also a very athletic, young, uh, you know, kind of star-type build to where if you move him now, it's better than... You know, taking him off a position that he had been at for five years in the major. Say down the road, you have a Nick Madrigal finally ready, and you wanted to move him then. Um, so I, I think it'll be fine athletically. He's gifted enough to do it. Um, and then Eloy Tony is just you know hammering that point home again. Eloy takes some of the pressure off. He he doesn't have to be the guy. Um, you know, he, Moncada likes to keep a fairly. Cool, collected profile, but you know that pressure gets to you, uh, especially when the team's bad and guys are you know fans are looking for guys that are going to be their next uh, major pieces. He was the only one up for a while, kind of doing it on his own. Uh, didn't get any relief till Kopech, and that was short-lived, obviously because of the injury. So uh, I think the reduced pressure, uh, cut down strikeouts means you on Makata's breakout year. So next quick hit question. Uh, it's not very quick hit, but uh, we need to get to these. Prospect call-up you're most looking forward to, John? John?
1: <laughs> um, it, honest to God, I do think that Eli Jimenez has a really good chance to start to start with us opening day, which would be fucking awesome, guys. How fun would that be? It but would be if that's the
0: case, amazing. We need it. We need it after this offseason. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. If that's the case, Dylan a 100%. If he can comb his way up. Um, Sebby Zavala would definitely be up there if he can make his way up this year. But yeah, choo choo motherfucker. But if Eloy does not start with the club, you got to go Eloy absolutely.
2: Yeah, I, I you hit the guys that I was gonna hit. Um, I'll I'll have to go Sebby Zavala just because he's our guy. Um, but outside of that, I think one of the guys that I actually really want to see, same position, is Zach Collins. I want to see him up at the major leagues too. I know he's gotten a lot of time in spring training. Um, and that catcher position's kind of crowded. I know you talked about Wellington Castillo maybe being one of those guys that, uh, that can get traded. But I'm really ready for this Zavala-Collins tandem. So uh, one of the guys, if I had to go off of the Dylan C, Sebby Zavala, Eloy Jimenez uh collins is another guy another number one draft pick for us i want to see what he can do at the major league level i think he's probably getting close to ready uh maybe a september type guy Uh, if not
0: probably next
2: year but uh he's another one that i'm excited for johnny
0: Yeah, mine would have been Dane Dunning, but unfortunately he's undergoing Tommy John surgery. Um, I was just interested to see how he'd play at this level, so i got to go with another pitcher, one of our elite prospects, Dylan Cease. Um, I think he'll be up probably a similar Kopech-type call-up this season. Um, On to the next one. Matchup, uh, game or series, anyone that you have circled on your schedule in particular, uh, anyone that you're looking forward to most?
1: Um. Uh, I mean, the Cubs, obviously, um, bit of a breaking development. My girlfriend and I might be planning a trip to, like, the West Coast later on in the year. I know they have a time where they go they play the Mariners, and I think they play the Angels, too. So might look into that um, and potentially even go to one of those games. Um, totally not even, like, a plan even close to set, just, like, a thought at this time. But that would be something to definitely look forward to. And then around my birthday, I always like to get off work and if the Sox aren't at home, get together with my uh, buddies and grill some, you know, brats and burgers and drink some beer and watch the Sox. I always look forward to
0: those games. Absolutely. Tony, you got one? Uh, Opening series.
2: Um, I feel like it's going to be the time that we get to see Eloy come up. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else I'm more excited to see their first few games. Uh, I'm going the first two games that are at home, uh, the Thursday and Saturday. Um, So uh, opening series for me. Um, I love opening day, one of my favorite times uh, to be at the ballpark. And then uh, wife got me uh, tickets for game two. So uh, I'm going to be at the ballpark both those games and then – First game of my season ticket plan will be the the Tuesday game right after. So, um, you know, just getting to see the Sox play after this long off season, I, I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, we'll see how the season goes, and I'll probably have a different answer sometime mid July. But um, I'm just ready for White Sox baseball.
0: Thursday, June 13th, White Sox Yankees 40th anniversary of Disco Demolition Night. Sick free T-shirt Thursday giveaway. Um, probably going to throw a huge tailgate, a lot of classic rock music. It's going to be great. Disco sucks. Next one.
1: Hell yeah. That's Big, literally my birthday is June 9th. Sorry to tie that up. There in. you go. Absolutely. <laughs> the exact no. same series, but back to back series.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That'd be a fun ass week then. Let's get something so. planned for that guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we have to, we, we got to celebrate. It's the 40th anniversary. So um, oh, yeah. biggest fear, biggest fear for this season
1: Fear? You said biggest fear for the season? Yep. Uh, that we actually end up being like wild card fringe and don't end up trading the people that we could actually get a return for. Not even wild card fringe, but just kind of like not as shitty as we think at the trade deadline. Uh, that's a big fear because we're not going to do anything even if we make the playoffs on a fucking World Series roster. But uh, that and. Rick Renteria benching Eli Jimenez for not hustling.
0: That is a very legitimate concern. Um, I'm definitely afraid of that as well. Uh, Tony? <laughs> uh, biggest fear would
2: be an injury to either Yon Mancada or Eli Jimenez. Um, I don't think that yeah. either of those things would sit well with anybody. We've already been through this with Kopech. Uh, don't need any more of our prospects getting hurt. So that's <laughs> definitely my biggest fear.
0: Um, mine is Dylan Cease, Tommy John. Um, I know he had it before oh, or something. That's even something, worse than uh, what I said. I mean, dude, when we were talking about these top prospects getting injured, uh, it's scary. You know, Dane Dunning down now, Michael Kopech, your Ooh. lead pitching prospect down. Um, you got even Luis Basabi. I know he's uh, just it was a bone in his hand. Uh, And it's going to take only, whatever, four to eight weeks recovering and all that. But even Rick Hahn said on that Red Line interview, you know, it takes probably about, you know, couple months even to really get your stroke back as a hitter there so um and the, you know Mike Rodolfo injury last year these injuries just scare the hell out of me it derails the rebuild it kicks it down the road even more so that's anything major like that that will kick the re- ball down the road even more on this rebuild um all right enough pessimism though i just had to get that out of the way because we're white Sox fans and something bad is bound to happen so we'll see who's right um what are you most excited for the season then just in general john
1: most excited to just get back to the ballpark, dude. <laughs> I don't really have anything specific White Sox-oriented that I'm too excited for. I mean, I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see the young guys, but I'm not amped up for this season like I have been years past, and rightfully so. The Sox disappointed hard this offseason. And I didn't even have, like, super high hopes. I'm just kind of tired of fucking losing, dude, <laughs> and getting shit-talked to you by Cubs fans. For like the last five years, because that's like the amount of time the Cubs have been better than us now. Maybe four. Dude, but, we tried to just yeah, we dude. tried
2: to go we tried to go optimistic, not pessimistic. And you just brought the you brought the room down, man.
1: <laughs> you brought the room what? down. He's looking to <laughs> he,
0: just be back in the <laughs> ballpark.
1: I get that. Yeah, I just want to get back to the ballpark, man. <laughs>
2: Yeah, as 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 far as my most excited for, I think I think I Echo John, it's just getting back to the ballpark, tailgating, having some beers. Uh this is my first season that I've had uh a, a ticket plan, so getting to go to more games this year. Uh, I'm I'm excited for that regardless of whether or not the Sox are good, great, terrible. Um just being out at the ballpark, it's one of my favorite places to be in the entire world. So um, getting to be there, but I'm excited to see some of these guys develop. If we get, like like we talked about a little bit earlier, if we get a good year out of Yon Mancada, if we get to see Dylan Cease come up, we're going to get to see Eloy this year for sure. Um, you know, some of that stuff is going to be awesome. I, I think I'm more excited for next year when Kopech's back. But um, overall, like, like John said, I kind of echo it. Um, I'm just excited to be at the ballpark, hang out with you guys, toss some beers back, enjoy some baseball, have a good summer. Um, so I'm excited for that, Johnny.
0: Uh, ballpark for sure. Uh, I love it. Um, it's one of my favorite places to be. Um, so definitely excited for that. Just the whole atmosphere of it. Um, I love game days. Uh, kind of you know gets me amped. Uh, but for I'm going to go. And so I don't have the same exact answer. Most excited for seeing Eloy solidify himself as the first surefire piece of this rebuild. Absolutely come onto the scene and tear it up. We deserve it. We need it, um, and I think he has a potential too. Just the hitting skills, uh, the power tool. Um, I, I really, you know, what? If if Eloy doesn't pan out, this whole rebuild's fucked. So that's my take on it. Um, let's just come out and prove that there's there's still this you know glimmering like ray of hope in the middle of all this uh, that's just been so terrible for us over the past couple months. So, Eloy.
2: Absolutely. And, guys, there's uh, one last thing we wanted to get to today. Um, I know John, we uh, John Johnny, we hinted about this a little bit earlier. We've got a little bit of an announcement. Um, it kind of echoes what we talked about as far as getting out to the ballpark. Um, I'm going to hand this over to Johnny because he is the king of these. He was doing this all last year. Uh, we're going to expand on it. We're going to be doing it all year. What do we got for everybody?
0: We have a shy Sox weekly opening day tailgate. Yep. That's right. Thursday, April 4th versus Seattle. It's a one first pitch. Um, we're going to be out there, you know, it's a day that's really crowded at the ballpark. So if you're out, um, you know, parked close, or even if you're taking the train in, Hey, come stop by lot B. We're going to try and set up as early as we possibly can. Um, is, so the time that it's going to run is from whenever the gates open to the lots to 1230. So we can get in, uh, get in our seats before first pitch, um, see you know the lineups introduced, all of that good stuff. So um, it's a 110 first pitch, like Ed mentioned. So we'll try to let the tailgate go until about 1230 before we all head into the ballpark. But definitely come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we'll be in lot B. So John has a nice Shy Sox weekly flag. We'll be hoisting that. Um, so you just find that and come hang out. It's going to be bring your own beer and your major food. Um, if you're bringing a sandwich or something, um, it's just a lot to set up, so we're not going to have a grill or anything. So just bring your major food, but we will have some snack stuff there. Uh, cheese and crackers, chips, all that kind of good, just tailgate food. Uh, jalapeno kettle chips, baby. Yep. Uh, peanuts, you know, drink a works, Modelo with Shy Sox, Janda. That's yeah, exactly so, Yeah, so
1: Yeah. I'm definitely, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I actually I didn't even really bring this up, so I am not allowed to drink for like the next like six days because I'm on antibiotics because I was sick. But like I definitely plan on taking a few beers back at the home opener. Obviously, you got to it's baseball <laughs> and beer, man. Yeah. yeah. So tonight. um, yeah, like they said, I'm really excited for the tailgate. I did get this uh, flag ordered, so you'll be able to see us from a mile away. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm really excited guys. Uh, other than that,
2: yeah, we're going to have, yeah, we're going to have a few of these. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about earlier today, I know John, um, you're going to need your redemption from earlier this off season for that mess of a hot dog eating thing you did. Um, one of the things we're planning is a, is a tailgate hot dog eating contest. More details to come on that. Um, We kind of mentioned it earlier, the disco demolition. We're going to have a bunch of tailgates this year. So come find the Shy Sox Weekly Flag. Come find Johnny, John, and myself out there drinking beers. We're going to be at the ballpark a ton. Um, It's going to be a fun year, guys. Um, I'm just so excited to get out to the ballpark. I mean, we we can't echo that enough. So uh, I don't really have too much more than that other than – Oh, I
1: do have one more thing. Go ahead. I totally forgot to plug this last week, but next week on opening day, opening day, when the White Sox are in Kansas City, I have the whole entire day off of work. So I'm going to be streaming myself playing MLB 19, the show. So if anybody's bored before the game starts from like the noon o'clock till first pitch time frame, I'm going to be sitting there. I'll play games online with the White Sox roster. I'm going to do a simulated franchise mode where I get the record. Um that MLB the show thinks the White Sox are gonna get this year. Uh probably set up a little bit of my Diamond Dynasty team, which I'll explain on the stream. Um but other than that I plan on at least a couple people watching and it being a little interactive. If not, I'm gonna just keep the stream up if anybody ever wants to just pop in. I know Tony said that he's working from home that day, so he's gonna check it out and he might even pop in for like an hour or so Absolutely. and we'll chat in a party. So um yeah definitely look out for that guys other than that i'm not sure if we're a hundred percent getting a episode out before opening day we should try to so we're going to talk about that on our end but until next time go socks and um happy regular season almost
2: yeah that's all i've got johnny anything from you
0: happy baseball season good to be back been a long Painful offseason. Um, you know, we're probably going to get our hearts broken again a little bit in some way, shape, or form again. But uh, that's the beauty of opening day. Uh, new Hope, everybody starts clean, 0 0. So let's go, White Sox. Let's go, Sox.
1: No White Sox, baby.